Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, spooky friends. Unlike everyone else, the horror doesn't stop for us. Just because it's no longer October doesn't mean we can't still have fun. If you ever find yourself needing a quick scary story, you know where to look. We've all experienced being somewhere and getting that pit in our stomach that tells us, I shouldn't be here. And we should trust our gut. Some places are filled with negative energy, dark vibes, or even worse, pure evil. A place like a cave, house, burial ground, or anywhere that something terrible has previously happened will hold angry spirits and demons of the past. Be careful, because if you enter, you might die. First, when plans go awry, followed by a deadly sacrifice, then the hunted. Finally, in our featured story, walking into a death trap. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. And of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then join us on Patreon. We've just added a brand new Discord where you can connect with other fans of Something Scary. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? Enter and die. Small spaces can make us feel safe. Give us an escape at least when it's by choice. However, they can also be terrifying when we are there against our will, as in this story written by Janine Pipe. I'm not supposed to be here. I've never been scared of small spaces before. As a kid, if I was frightened or upset, I'd hide in my closet. It was cramped and I could barely move and despite the slanted wooden doors, often very dark. But it felt safe. Sharing a college dorm with three loud and crazy girls, sometimes I'd spend way longer in the tiny shower stall than I needed to, 
just for some quiet, some alone time away from the noise and constant activity. But those were places I'd chosen to be. I'm not supposed to be here. I've grown up using the internet, Wi-Fi, broadband, 5G phones, and films in ultra 4K is the norm. I can control almost anything via my cell with an app and the dangers of chatting strangers online has been drilled into my subconscious. Tell someone where you're going if you meet someone from Tinder. Have a safe word planned in a text if you go out with someone from TikTok. Sometimes we put so much effort into internet safety, we forget the danger around the corner. The devil you already know. Troy seemed like a nice guy. We had a couple of classes together, ran into each other in the library and dining hall, sometimes on purpose. We met for a coffee a couple of times before we went on a real date, then a few more. There were no warning signs. People knew we were dating. I left notes for my roommates about when I'd be back, sometimes. And then one evening, when the others were all out, he knocked on the door to my dorm. I've got a surprise for you, he said dragging me out of the room and off to his car. It's going to be so much fun. I could sense his excitement and felt intrigued. Where are we going? I asked. He just grinned. It was dark and I was not used to being in the area off campus. I was soon lost as we drove down what seemed like an endless winding country road. It's not far now. My tummy rumbled, reminding me it was getting late and I hoped wherever we were headed had food. I was about to reach down for my purse and grab a mint when Troy slammed on the brakes and I bumped my head on the dash. The brilliant light from someone else's full beam headlights temporarily blinded him. Troy jumped out of the car angrily and was about to give the car owner a piece of his mind when I saw him do a double take as he approached the vehicle. I wasn't sure what he was saying, but his tone had gone from loud and angry to softer and concerned. He beckoned me over. Babe, Look at, that's all I remember, except the pain. Oh God, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm in total darkness. I try to scream, but I have something tied around my mouth, something stuffed inside, a rag most likely, but it would be pointless anyway. I know there's no one around to hear me, no one that cares anyway. My eyes have been almost adjusted. Whether I'm seeing the shadows moving or it's just my imagination, I'm unsure. I hear shuffling now and then, ripping, tearing, and heavy breathing. The smell has gotten worse too since I've been here. I guess my own blood is mixed in with the vile aroma, but there's more. Rotting, putrid, decay, which of course is the other bodies. I don't know what happened back there. I don't know how or why. They've not let me talk, explain. I know where I am. I know who they are. And I know what's going to happen to me. I won't see Troy or my roommates again. I won't see anyone. I don't know how much longer I have, but I know I am not supposed to be here. It was meant to be you. Do you have a fear of small spaces? Or do they make you feel safe and cozy? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Peer pressure can be a very powerful force, but not more powerful than being pressured by death. Like in this story written by Sarah Lukaskowitz. Thank you to our Patreon, Kitty, whose name we use in this story. Ashlyn Schofield and Kitty Heger made the most interesting pair, best friends since grade school. Ashlyn was mischievous, and Kitty, a bookworm who played by the rules. Yet together, they were the perfect duo, balancing each other out. Whenever Ashlyn would come up with a reckless idea, Kitty would go along, but only to a point, able to reel them both in before too much chaos could ensue. That was until the Irish New Year Festival began. Ashleen had been begging Kitty to go to Cave of the Cats for months. Legend had it that deep in the Cave of the Cats was the pathway to hell. And for those who would go too far without giving a proper sacrifice, their end includes a fast pass to the devil's lair, never to return to the living again and destined to spend eternity among the damned. Now with it being the time of the festival, Ashleen laid on the pressure. All they had to do was drive to Rathcrogan, find the opening, and enter the cave. Ashleen wanted to go into the deepest part of it, and if nothing happened, then they could leave and report back that the folklore was nonsense. Kitty was worried about the rumors, but after hearing several of their classmates brag about how they had gone to the cave and returned unharmed, Kitty acquiesced. The young women made the drive surrounded by beautiful landscapes. It was dark as they headed out with their flashlights and backpacks. It took them a minute to find the opening since the entrance was a small fissure. But once they made it over the threshold, it opened up to the cavernous ceiling of rock and limestone. Upon entering the cave, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. Inside and able to walk around, Ashleen jokingly said they should have brought a squirrel or something to sacrifice if things got too crazy. They both laughed at the idea Kitty a little nervously. Could you imagine killing something? Ashleen chuckled. Kitty shivered. About five minutes into the cavern, any light from the entrance was long gone and only the illumination came from their flashlights. Walking further, they felt a cool breeze in front of them. It felt like a fan was blowing cold air, but from 100 yards in the distance. Kitty wanted to stop, but Ashleen insisted that none of their friends had gotten to this point, and if they could just get up to where the cold source was coming from, they could turn back. Kitty agreed tentatively. They walked another 15 minutes before the temperature dropped low enough to see their breath in the air. That was when Kitty had enough and started to turn around. Besides, they had come to a dead end with a large rock in their path. Suddenly, the large boulder began to roll to the side. It moved just above a snail's pace, revealing a dark area with a makeshift stone table in the center. Ashleen pulled Kitty in with her forcibly. Kitty tried to rip away from Ashleen's grip, begging them to turn back. Normally at this point, Ashleen would listen, but this time she wasn't budging, using her size and strength to keep Kitty with her. As they looked around, there appeared to be blood on the floor that led to the table, and blood of different shades and timelines. 
they realized it was a table for sacrifice. And Kitty began screaming at Ashleen for them to leave right now. But Ashleen wouldn't let go of her arm, entranced by the table, as if she was possessed. Suddenly, dozens of beady red eyes began to appear. They were coming from the other side of the cave where the air was frigid, humming in unison. This was the sacrificial ritual and the girls were in the middle of it. It seemed the demons were getting frustrated and angry. They had a hunger that wasn't being fed. That's when Ashleen realized they were in deep trouble, although Kitty already knew. Ashleen turned to her friend in panic. Crap, we don't have anything to sacrifice. Just then, Kitty whipped out her camping knife and plunged it into her best friend's throat. Blood gushed everywhere. Ashleen faced Kitty in shock, not believing what her friend was capable of. As the demons moved closer, Kitty took the knife out and repeated the butchering over and over until Ashleen lay over the table, bleeding out. As Ashleen locked eyes with Kitty one last time, her life faded away. And with that act, so did the demons. The cold was sucked out of the cave and Kitty was allowed to leave. That was the first time Kitty had been unable to reel Ashleen in, and so she had to be cut loose. Would you dare crawl into a cave that was the home to legendary monsters and myths? Trying to relive good family memories can be the reason you keep going back, but just one horrible nightmare can ruin those memories forever. Like in this story, inspired by Cody Bainham. Opening day of deer season in northern Michigan is practically a holiday. People from all over the state come in droves, filling the campgrounds, hotels, and bars the night before the hunt. My family have resided in the small town of Grayling, Michigan since the early 1930s. We have a couple hundred acres used for farming and hunting. There are white-tailed deer mounts displayed in all of our homes. The opening day gathering was traditionally held at our family cabin deep in the woods. As the years went by, fewer hunters made the trip. And the cabin, once a place full of family and great memories, has been tarnished by a sickening nightmare. The weather that night was frigid upon my arrival. I immediately started a fire in the wood stove. Snow fell around the cabin, creating a thick layer that muffled any sound making it eerily quiet. I remember standing over the fire cooking a can of soup and feeling especially lonely. For the first time since I'd been going there, I was the only person staying in the cabin that November night. So there I was, with my tin can meal when I saw something standing outside the front window looking in at me. I jumped up and refocused all my attention on the glass, but then there was nothing. I chalked it up to the snow falling a certain way and possibly a mild case of cabin fever. I turned on every light, not wanting to see outside any longer and risk being fooled again by my overactive imagination. But as I sat down to watch a movie, I couldn't help the feeling that I was the one being watched. I was scanning the windows, trying to figure out where the hollowed stare was coming from when I saw it. Across the living room, my great-grandfather's deer mount was supposed to be facing the back of the cabin, but it was looking right at me. I stared in disbelief as its neck made a series of popping noises that sounded like bones and flesh tearing from their joints. 
The monstrosity began to look me up and down. Another loud pop erupted the room as the animal's lower jaw fell to the floor, creating a loud thud and sending teeth flying all over the wooden floor. I screamed and, just as I thought my screams couldn't get louder, I jolted up from the couch, covered in sweat. I sat for a moment, disoriented, my heart beating through my chest. I looked over at the clock on the microwave and saw it was three in the morning. The deer mount across the room was faced in its usual direction. I stood shakily, still feeling like I was being watched, which was to be expected after a nightmare as hellish as that. The fire in the stove had burned down to just glowing coal, so I got it going to roaring flames again. Then I heard a sound that made my heart skip a beat. The floorboard behind me creaked, and with it came the vibration of a footstep. I was frozen where I stood. I didn't know whether to look and see who or what was there or try and simply run and hide. I worked up the courage and slowly turned around, but there was nothing but air. At this point, I was thoroughly spooked. I knew I wasn't alone. Something was toying with me. I desperately wanted to leave. There was only a few more hours until I would make the journey to my deer blind, and an hour or so after that would bring the security of daylight. Then it hit me. When I left the cabin, I'd have to walk through the darkness of the forest. That would never usually ruffle me, and I had my rifle with me for protection, but that still didn't put my mind at ease. What I was dealing with didn't feel natural. Suddenly, there was a pounding on the cabin door. I stood still, holding my breath, waiting for another dreadful knock. Instead, my dad's deep voice came booming from the opposite side of the door. I rushed over to open it, but stopped. It made no sense. My dad had a key. He would have just let himself in. I would have heard his diesel truck pull up outside the cabin. Stop screwing with me! I shouted towards the door. I took another step back and saw in the hall's mirror's reflection a figure that crouched behind me in the middle of the room, as if ready to pounce. I felt a rush of nausea. It was a deer, strips of rotting flesh hanging from its body. Its antlers jutted out in several different directions. It was covered in infected, decaying skin. The pugnant smell hit me like a ton of bricks, making me gag, my eyes water. A familiar sound echoed in the cabin. It was the popping noise I'd heard in my dream, the sound from the deer mount. This creature thrust its body backwards, causing it to now stand on its hind legs. That was enough. I needed to get out of there. I grabbed my keys and flung the door open. The sound of hooves chased behind me, clacking against the floorboards. I must have hit the unlock button 10 times before reaching my truck. I jumped in and floored it out of there, not daring to look back. I have no idea what that thing was, but I've never returned to that cabin. And I suspect experiences like mine are why other family members stop going sooner. The land the cabin sits on is currently pending sale with a couple of guys from downstate trying to buy. I leave you with this. If you ever come across an abandoned cabin in the north central Michigan woods, do not approach it. In fact, get out of those woods as fast as possible. It could save your life. Do you have a family home where everyone would gather? Has anything terrible ever happened there? Something supernatural? Tell us about it 
at somethingscary@snarled.com. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of the legend of Bony Legs, inspired by Bella Labette and animated over on our YouTube channel. It was almost closing time at Dimitri's Pizza Parlor. I was watching the clock while Nikolai was mopping the floors. His sister, Sasha, was sitting at the counter waiting for us, just binging YouTube videos, of course. The phone rang with a last minute pizza order. I hadn't answered the phone all day, but I was the one closest, so I answered. I didn't know at the time how unfortunate that was. Hi, Dimitri's Pizza, what can I get you? I couldn't hear anyone on the other end. Hello? I called again. Nikolai rushed over to put the phone on the speaker. If this was yet another prank call, he was going to freak out on them. Just then, we were greeted by what sounded like a very old woman with a deep and gravely voice. She asked me what type of meat we used for the meat lover's pizza. Um, pepperoni, sausage, and bacon, I told her. She said that she wanted fresh meat. Ugh, gross, I thought to myself. I reply, of course, it's fresh. Does she still want the pizza? Yes, I'll just add my own extras when it gets here, she said. I asked for her last name and her address. When she replied her last name was Legs, Sasha's head popped up from her phone. She looked at me with wide eyes and the color drained from her face. I didn't know what her deal was, but my attention was on the customer. I told her I would deliver it in the next half hour. Nikolai asked his sister what was wrong. Sasha claimed it was just something she was watching on her phone. When the pizza was ready, I took the box and headed to my car. Sasha followed me out and finally, she spoke up. She shared a video she'd been watching, suggesting I should listen to it on my drive. As I was listening to it on my drive, I was enticed by the gruesome stories of spirits and monsters. Before I knew it, the city had turned to trees and I was already out in the country. As I approached a wooden bridge spanning a wide river, the podcast told a familiar tale about an old witch in the woods. She lived in a house that stood on chicken legs and punished lazy kids and teens by eating them. She went by many names, Baby Yaga, Iron Teeth, Bony Legs. The name Legs was chillingly coincidental. The trees blocked out the moon, leaving the headlights as my only source of illumination down a dark winding road. I listened intently for what to do if I encountered Baby Yaga. My phone lost its reception though, and the podcast just stopped. I finally arrived at a tiny cottage nestled among the trees. Quickly, I brought the pizza to the door. My hand trembled as I knocked. The door creaked open, and there stood an old woman with milky blind eyes and strangly limb. She wore a woolen cloak and had a wrinkly smile. Here you go, Miss Miss Bony Legs, I gulped, unable to catch the words coming out of my mouth. I don't know why I called her that. 
The old woman's face contorted into a nasty grin, revealing rows of long teeth made of iron. My stomach turned as the rotten smell hit me. Here's your tip, she chuckled, dropping a handful of gold coins encrusted with mold into my hands. Please, won't you come inside and make yourself welcome? I was slowly backing away when she lunged at me. Her gnarled hands narrowly missed my wrist. I ran back to the car and frantically started the engine. I barely put the key in the ignition when I heard rumbling nearby. I looked behind me to see the black silhouette of the cottage rising in the air, supported by two giant legs meant to chase me down. As I sped off, I could hear giant footsteps thundering just behind my vehicle. I reached the bridge and the giant footsteps stopped. I slowed my car to a reasonable speed and then, bam, I went flying into my steering wheel. Something had rear-ended me. I turned to find bony legs beating at my car with a bat. I drove off, but she was clinging to the rear windshield. I thought about the podcast, about her punishing lazy teens. If I could survive the night, I would never slack off at work as long as I lived. Just as she was about to break through the windshield, I made it to the other side of the bridge. She stopped midair, as though unable to cross an invisible barrier. Her shouts filled the night air. I returned to the pizza parlor in shock, but alive, Nikolai was there. Though my tears, I told them the legends were true. Baby Yaga, Bony Legs, whatever name she went by, had almost got me. I told them everything, even showed him the coins from my pocket. I asked where Sasha was, knowing she would believe me. I asked him again, where was Sasha? He told me that the last customer called and wanted to add one other pizza to her order. So... Sasha offered to drive it over to Legs. Without another word, Nikolai and I piled into the car together and sped off to the house. But when we arrived at where the bridge was supposed to be, there was no sign of it. Instead, we found Sasha's car empty and smashed as though some great predator had pounced upon it. We searched everywhere but found no other signs of her bony legs had gotten the fresh meat that she wanted. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>